on, let's welcome the chaplain Richmond and Mosley. Come on, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Virginia Department of Corrections, we're glad you're here today. Tell the person next to you, you look good. Come on, tell them you look good. And you can be seated. Well, we are finishing up a series in the book of Daniel, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a second, but I always like to look in the camera at the back of the room and say good morning to all of our campuses. Last week, we launched a brand new campus happening right now in Mosley, Virginia. Come on, can we welcome them today? We love you guys. Chapel at Mosley, love that. And uh, of course, the chapel in Richmond, Scott's Edition, fastest growing part of Richmond, Virginia. Love you guys. Good morning, 930. Pastor Jason, Brandy, whole team there. Love what God's doing in our church. And uh, it's exciting to be a part of what God's doing. Well, let me just tell you one thing. I'm going to sit down. So nobody told me to stop playing basketball with 15-year-olds, okay? So I tweaked my knee, and uh, I don't know if they're going to have to fix it this week or cut it off. I don't know. But um, I'm going to sit down. Is that okay? And, uh, and so I'm standing on one leg. <laughs> and that, so I'm just glad you're here, and uh, thanks for being here. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to just pretend it feels good. And uh, this aging thing is terrible, isn't it? Uh, it just goes, I was telling somebody, we were just standing in the back room, and, and everybody was talking about their stuff, and they're like, this is just the beginning. And I said, I don't know, because I'm pretty sure I had a 75-year-old helping me up today. And uh, so, but uh, thanks for flexing today and let me just sit down. And uh, But we're in a series in the book of Daniel. Let me just remind you one thing. Next week is Groundbreaking Sunday. And uh, huge thank you for your generosity. And uh, we are, we're going to, you'll see changes in the lobby in Midlothian. They'll be building, uh, that's where the new bathrooms will go in the edge of that in preparation for clearing that wall out, a new pad, steel coming in. But next Sunday morning, we're going to really share some of the vision of our church. And then next Sunday night at 430 at uh, all all in Midlothian we'll meet in Midlothian at 430 and have a groundbreaking service and so we'll dig dirt and 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 pray and dedicate this project to God but just a huge thank you to those of you who have been so generous in tithes and offering and giving and uh, and next uh, man you you have done an incredible job and we're excited to get this building built and uh, so thank you for your um, for your flexibility well we're ending uh, the series in the book of Daniel the, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel are stories and the second six chapters of the book of Daniel are really prophecy they're end times prophecy Okay. In fact, Daniel is the most often quoted um, uh, book in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And uh, and so what what Daniel does in the last six um, chapters is he unpacks what the future will look like, and God gives him some prophetic direction. And so if you're new here today, we're not the end times church that always has the chart on the wall and and doing all that kind of stuff. But but how many know there is some uh, a lot of the Bible that speaks of the end times, right? In fact, when we were part of a great church in Birmingham, Alabama, but we did this outreach, I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea, but there was an empty Kmart that they had not fixed up. Katie, you remember this? We used to rent out that Kmart and we called it Horror House. And the whole month of October, I know you're... We don't do it here, but uh, the whole month of October, we had like this thing, you'd go, in, you'd go in each room and there'd be a scene from the book of Revelation, you know, and we just really work hard to get the kids crying. That's, 
if you can make the kids cry, you were doing right. And then at the end, they, they give their life to Jesus. And if they did, we'd give them candy corn on the way out. And uh, so I know there's all kinds of approaches to end times and, and I don't want to be spooky, but you know, I was actually thinking I'm preparing for this message. So I'm going to try in 30 minutes to give you Daniel chapter six to 12 and explain the end times. And I was like, in the middle of the week, I was like, I'm not that excited about this. It's going to be, it's, it's a weird and, and, uh, and then, you know what I realized, I realized in the providence of God, that um, we would be teaching on the on the end times in the at the same week that we're seeing end time events take place across the world, in the same week that Israel is attacked, we're unpacking God. In fact, I wonder today if before we get into the message, Psalm one twenty two says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Could we do that today? Today, together in the lobby in this room, uh, uh, come on, bow our heads together, Lord Jesus. You see the horror happening around the world, and uh, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God, we pray for that precious part of the world that's been the center of so much biblical um, history, and we know is the mountain that you will touch your feet to when you return. And uh, so, God, we pray for the end of violence. We pray that you would sustain and protect Israel, God. As a, as a church, we stand with them, and we just pray for believers all over that part of the world to share the light and life of Jesus. And uh, God, we, um, we know we're living in the last days. Your word says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And uh, help us today as we talk about the end times to, uh, to just be ready, God, to be ready for what you're gonna do and to get our hearts and lives ready for we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Turn to the person next to you and tell them this message is gonna be spooktacular. Come on, tell them. It's going to be spectacular. And uh, well, uh, the book of Daniel, the last chapter starts with this phrase at that time. And really, the last chapter, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, well, 7 to 12, they, they describe the prophetic images that Daniel has. God pulls back the curtain and shows him some things. In fact, it's interesting. He sees a figure that most theologians believe he prophesies the exact life and reign of Alexander the Great. He, in fact, he sees some things he doesn't even know how to describe, like helicopters, and he describes them as best he can. And it's like God gives him the prophetic image and the prophetic uh, vision of what the future holds. And we don't know everything about what the future holds, but I do know that about 20% of the Bible is prophetic, meaning it speaks of the future. I just want to remind us today that God, how many believe God is in charge of the future, right? And I believe this is true, not to scare us today, but you, you can't hardly read the Bible without coming to the conclusion that we are living in the last days. Like we are, and, uh, and, and you see the signs of the times. Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be chaos. There'll be, he describes in, in uh, Matthew 24, 25, 26, the signs of the ends of the time. And Daniel kind of describes uh, a little bit of what the end times will be when he says 77s are de decreed. Now, this is 77-year periods, okay? 70 seven-year period. So where are my math people? 70 times seven is 490. I heard over here, if that's wrong, it's his fault. It's 490 
years are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. No one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, Jesus, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. All right, let's go home. No, I'm just kidding. You're like, huh? I will explain. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. And after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler will come to, will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolation. How many know war is just is a part of the signs of the times? And he will confirm a covenant for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed and poured out on him. All right, I'm going to try to do my best to put the cookies on the shelf where we can all get one, okay? And explain what in the world that was, okay? Because you're like, hello, first day at church, and I don't know what. Well, the, the Hebrew word seven is the word shavu. And, and Daniel is describing, he sees in a vision, this history of 70 um, uh, clusters of seven-year periods. So Daniel sees 77s, 400 years of prophecy. And the first seven year, seven sevens, so 49 years, Daniel sees the Israelites having been destroyed. They're brought back into Jerusalem and the temple has being rebuilt. In fact, even the attack we see on Israel, if you look at biblical history and modern day his, history, Israel has always been the, the source of attack in the, or uh, the subject of attack in the world. It's not something new. It's been, and in the biblical times, uh, shortly after Daniel lives, in fact, 49 years after his life, the Israelites return and rebuild the temple. So that's the first prophecy he shares that is rebuilt right after his life. And then 62 sevens later, so 62 times seven is 434. I'll tell you what, I did a lot of math this week. Just whatever. Uh, this is when he says the anointed one will come. This has also been prophetically uh, 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 predicted and fulfilled because a little over 400 years after Daniel, Daniel passes off the scene, Jesus Christ arrives, the anointed one that Daniel speaks of to take away the sins of the world. How many are thankful for Jesus today, right? Okay, so here's what we got. We got, if you add them together, 483 of the 490 years or 69 of the 70 uh, sevens, did I say that right? 69 of the 70 sevens have been fulfilled, and that leaves 70 minus 69 is one Shavua in Hebrew, which means seven yet to be fulfilled. And so this is the this is what many people call a tribulation or testing time and end time. This so so what Daniel has said has been fulfilled, except there's one thing let to be left to be fulfilled. And Daniel is teaching us that as we approach the last days, there's one thing yet to be fulfilled. And and I want to share with you a little bit. Not only are we living in the last days, but you say, what do the last days look like? Well, I'm telling you, there's all kinds of things that point to the last days that we live in. Alabama has already lost a football game this year. It's the end times. Some of you feel like, no, it's heaven. But uh, 
In fact, people have all kinds of questions. What do the last days look like? As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will the sign be of your coming at the end of the age? So the disciples wanted to know, what is the sign? Uh, tell us, Jesus, what it will look like at the end of the age. Maybe you ask that today. What does it look like at the end of the age? And Jesus said, there'll be an increase of wickedness and the love of most will grow cold. Let me, let me tell you, there's an increase of wickedness and there there has been a drift i think spiritually but he says whoever stands firm to the end will be saved in fact let me show you in daniel's day there were three major gods that they worshiped and i i know we don't have idols like they do in daniel's day but i think if you look these three idols i'll just see if you see the same challenges in our culture today the first one was baal or the hebrews would actually pronounce it baal if you want to sound smart with somebody you don't say bail you say Baal you know just to make you smarter than the Presbyterians at lunch you know what I mean just so uh and this was the God who who received child sacrifice and I think one of the things that I sense in our culture come on somebody is a devaluing of human life whether it's 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 uh, a lot of uh selection that's very dangerous in in children or older people I mean just there's a devaluing of human life and and you see that, and that, that's not a new God they worship, that's an old God, Baal. Asherah was a God in, in, in Babylonian times that had all kinds of sexual per- perversion. And we see that in our own culture, there's kind of taught this thought that if, if you want to do that, you should do that. Whatever you feel is, is how you are, and you should do whatever you want to do. And there's a, there's a proliferation, I think, of immorality and wrong thing. How many know God has a plan for sexuality? And, and we'll preach on that in February. I'm working on a message from the Song of Solomon. It'll be PG-13 plus. And come on, somebody, I have four kids. Because I love my wife, not my kids, you know. And Tammuz, which was uh, a god of violence. And you see this in our culture, don't you? How many have seen just violence become a normal thing in our culture? You see it in our cities and painful, painful rise of violence all over our country. And so what's interesting is you study these ancient gods in Babylon, and you could be tempted to think, well, pastor, that's just a history lesson. But I wonder if it's not just a history lesson. I wonder if it's what we're still living with today, right? Devaluing of life and sexuality out of control, violence. And these are the signs of an eroding culture. And Jesus tells us that will be the way it is because we live in a day where, uh, where there'll be a rise in wickedness but Jesus says not only was something bad happen in the end times let me give you some hope he says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached come on in the what the whole world as a testimony to all nations or ethnos and then the end will come and so do you know there are 17,000 different ethnos or language groups in the world 10,000 of them already have the gospel in their own language but there's never been a time in human history that we are translating the bible uh, faster or bringing the gospel to people in it with more speed in fact just because of your um generosity we support a missionary i love this who who um they're they're giving the gospel to a language that a tribe that doesn't even have a written language so this becomes hard to translate the bible in a language when you don't have a 
written language. And actually, they're using these little voice recorders to orally dis- translate the Gospel of John into that dialect. And instead of giving them Bibles, they're giving them little voice recorders where, where right now today, because of your generosity, people are pushing play in small tribes around the world and hearing the story of Jesus Christ. Come on. How incredible is that? Jesus says that this gospel will be preached in the whole world. And, and so we're seeing that like never before. And I, I know there's a lot of downplay. We showed this a couple weeks ago about the church. And I know in America that the Christian church is not growing or declining. It's actually uh, plateaued. But globally, the church has never grown more. So I just give you these stats to fight back against the people who say, well, Christianity's old school and it's, not, it's going out of business. No, 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 you don't understand. In the last 20 years... More people have come to faith than in the previous 200 years. There is an explosion of the gospel around the world. Literally, just consider the continent of Africa. The population of Christians has doubled in 20 years. Do you know, even in Asia, where the underground church in China, there's not a lot of freedom there. But you know, it's almost doubled as they suppress public worship. People form small house churches, and it's spreading all over the world. In fact, do you know in the year 2000, we printed 54 million Bibles a year. And in the year 2023, we're printing 90, almost double the amount of Bible. How many know the Bible is still the bestseller, right? In fact, I love this. I love uh, uh, the, the French infidel, infidel Voltaire. He said within 100 years of his lifetime, he, when he died, that the only place you'd find a Bible would be in a museum because the Bible is old school. My favorite thing is when he died, the Geneva Bible Society bought his his house and started printing Bibles from his living room. Come on, somebody. There's <laughs> just the gospel is growing in the world. I just say that to encourage us. Jesus is building his church. And yes, there's a rise of wickedness and evil in the world, but there's also a rise of the strong work of God in this community. In fact, I hear people everywhere that say, no, 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 this next generation is walking away from faith. I can only tell you as one local pastor in one local church, our students have never loved Jesus more, never prayed more, never been more committed to Jesus than than right now. In fact, we have 70 young adults right now on a retreat right now around a lake. They're doing verse-by-verse study of the book of 1 Timothy, worshiping Jesus all week. How many are grateful for a generation loving and learning about Jesus, right? And so Jesus says, yeah, there'll be, a, there'll be some twin things happening. There'll be a rise of evil and wickedness, but there'll also be a, 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 an advancement of the gospel in Jesus. And so he tells Daniel at the end of the book, Daniel, keep this prophecy and seal up the book until the end. He says, well, many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. He says, many will rush here and there. Most scholars believe rush here and there is Daniel prophetically seeing travel become faster. How many know we've never been able to travel faster than we can today, right? You can get in a plane today and get halfway around the world tomorrow. In fact, if you've ever visited Texas, there's a small town about every 20 miles. And the reason for that is because in the past, you could walk about 15, 20 miles a day. So they just built small towns all over. Because think about it, throughout the history of humanity, until, you know, 100, 150 years ago, travel was slow, right? Now you can literally get in a plane Uh, put on a face mask and wake up a few hours later and be across the country, right? Not only that, there's a knowledge increase, right? How many know we've never had more access to knowledge? In fact, look at me, everybody under the age of 20. There used to be a day to confirm things that you had to go to the library. Let me unpack what a library is for you. 
used to have a card catalog, not even a computer. Where are the people who remember a card catalog? It's a giant box. And you pull out the thing and you flip through and you find the card. And then you go find the corresponding book. Come on, somebody. Now you tell your kids something and they Google it and they find out you're wrong. And, uh, <laughs> and yet so much is advancing in the end. And, and I, I just believe, I'm not trying to scare us today. I do believe we're living in the last days though. And that shouldn't scare us, but it should make a difference in the way we live. And let me just tell you, if you know that Jesus is returning, this might be the most important point I share with you today. In the end, you want your name written in the book that Jesus writes. In fact, Daniel alludes to this. It's not only in the book of Revelation where it talks of the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life, if you're new here, it's the book that Jesus writes those who trust in him as Savior in that book. But Daniel actually points, he hints at it all the way in uh, hundreds of years before. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is written in the what? In the book will be delivered. How many know if your name is written in the book that Jesus writes, you have eternity with him, right? And that's why we're so passionate as a church. We're so passionate because God tells Daniel, multitudes who sleep in the earth will awake. Some are going to, some are going to rise to everlasting life and others to everlasting contempt. Catch this today. I'm not trying to be, if you're new here today, come back next week. We'll be nicer. But here's the point. Around here, we really believe that there's such a place as heaven and we really believe there's such a place as hell. And we believe that your eternity is forever settled there. And so we as a church are spending every bit of energy we have to, to, to take as many people with us to heaven and to do as, make it as hard as humanly possible in Richmond to get to hell. In fact, somebody asked me a couple weeks ago, oh, we're launching another campus in Mosley. Is that so the chapel can get bigger? I just want you to know, we've been in the middle of a building campaign. We have not, we've never tried to get bigger less. I'm, I'm preaching, I'm using Hebrew words in 490 years. This is not like the grow the church sermon, you know, Shavua. Like that's not like you, how you build a church. I talk about a Shavua and people love it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you, we're not trying to do that. I'm telling you, we're not trying to build, we're not trying to build a big church around here. We're not trying, we're just trying to get the heart of God so that everyone in this community would know, love, trust, and treasure Jesus. That's what we're about as a church. We're just trying to catch the heart of God because we think all of eternity hinges on it. Everlasting life or everlasting contempt. I mean, the, the destination of our life is determined by the trust of our Savior. And we literally believe that eternity hinges on what people do with Jesus. And, and Daniel says, listen, I'm telling you, there'll be a group of people that trust in him and they'll have everlasting life if their names are in the book. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. If you don't know that, your name can be in the book and you don't get your name in the book because you're good. You get your name in, your, in the book because he's forgiven you, right? That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of hope. That's the message of joy. And we're trying to introduce as many people as we can to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what should the end times do? Here's, my, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced we should think of eternity maybe a little bit more. How many know eternity is long compared to how long you're going to live here? You say, Pastor, I eat organic. Fine. You're going to live 70, 80, 90 miserable years, 100 years. You say, no, only kale every day. Fine, 120 years. Whatever you want. But how many know that's still comparatively short to eternity, right? 
And I think sometimes we need to think about eternity a little more because what we do now affects forever, right? In fact, Paul says we only look, not, not, not only this, but we don't only look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. I believe we ought to live for things that we can't see. That's why we talk about end times today. Because it's easy to live for the seen things. Come on. Like you see things and you think, okay, I, I can live for that. But no, sometimes you have to just pause and live for the unseen things. And this is what I think a message like this should do. It should encourage us if we really believe we're in the end times to be people who shine bright. Come on. To be people who shine bright. <laughs> in fact, God told Daniel this, that those who are wise will shine like the bright, like the stars of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever and ever. He tells us to, to, to shine bright. Daniel wasn't quite sure what to think of all these prophecies. Maybe you ever felt this way. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. This is one of the greatest marriage verses, I think, for men in scripture. I heard what she said, but I didn't understand what she meant. <laughs> well, Katie and I are mentored by a pastor uh, in Texas, and he, he, a requirement to be mentored by him is we have to do twice a month marriage counseling. And so we probably make it once a month if we're honest. But uh, I, I found it interesting. We spent an hour with the tele therapy or I don't know what you call it and he started doing this thing where in our hour session he spent 50 minutes with both of us and then he would let her go and spend the last 10 minutes with me and he said I'm just trying to encourage you and I said I don't think that's what you're doing I think you've identified the weak link so here's what he really does to be honest for 50 minutes she talks and for the last 10 minutes when she hangs up he says this is what she just said come on somebody and I think it's easy to not understand how, how will this end? What's going on? Uh, Daniel's like, I'm looking at all of this and I'm confused. I don't know the end times. And, but he said, go now, Daniel, for what I've said is kept secret and seal it until the time of the end for many will be purified, cleansed and refined by these trials. So here's what he's saying, that there's going to be challenges and difficulties till the very end and the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand and only the wise will know what it means. So let me ask you this question before we close today how do you live wisely if we're in the end times how do you live with wisdom if we're in the end times let me just give you two thoughts today real simple that I think it should motivate us to do if we really understand that we're living in the end times I think two things are going to happen here's the first one if I understand that I'm living in the end times I will influence as many people as I can for Jesus while I can if heaven and hell are realities, then we're going to spend our life investing in them, right? It was about six years ago, Katie and I were on vacation at the beach. And, and my youngest daughter, Piper, would have been about seven at the time. And she's on a boogie board. And I'll never forget the image in my life because she, I, she just started getting um, slowly dragged out. I mean, it was like this even pace and I thought, uh-oh, this is bad. I knew she was in her little rip current. So I immediately got up and ran into the water. If you never felt the, the feeling of a rip current, you can't, it's, it's disorienting a little. And I'm trying to get to her. And every dad knows this experience when you're trying to keep your kid calm, but you aren't. It's okay, baby. 
stay on your boogie board. I'm just coming to see you. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're all dying. You know, like, and uh, I could not get to her. Two guys saw it and two grown men out there with me. And luckily one of them finally got a hold of the boogie board, passed it to me. I'm working hard to push it back in. Oh, thank goodness. This goes on about two and a half minutes. It takes about two and a half minutes. By the way, you say two and a half minutes isn't long. Two and a half minutes is long when somebody's, when, when a seven-year-old, whatever. But so I finally feeling good as I get to the shore. And Katie says, where's Jordan, our oldest son? I said, I, what do you mean? She said, well, he came in the ocean to get Piper with you. And I said, well, I don't know where he is. And I look, and now he's out in the current. I go, oh, my gosh. So I get the boogie board. I'm trying to make my way out to him. I'll never forget the terror as a dad. When the, when the waves would go down, I would see his head. But when they would go up, they, you know, I, I just, he'd disappear for a minute. And I'd think, oh, my word. And the big, the big guys that tried to get him with me came out too. I'll never forget when the two of them said it's too strong and they left. And I'm going after my son. Thank God a 19-year-old off-duty lifeguard was there. He told me it was his first save. I have this secret hidden belief that it might have been an angel. Maybe you think I'm crazy. I don't know. This kid didn't look like a, like a lifeguard to me. And he got this little little tube inner tube thing to Jordan and all of a sudden Jordan was brought in I'll never forget how glad I was <laughs> the worst part was now I was stuck in the riptide true story so I'm on a boogie board I'm like I'm not gonna die but I would like some help and everybody's in I can see Katie and hugging the kids and I'm like hey guys <laughs> I I'm and I just can't get out of this riptide <laughs> I'll tell you how I knew it was bad because a couple hundred people that were scattered on the beach were now in one cluster. That's how you know something bad's happening. And, there, and finally, somebody came out and rescued me. You know somebody almost died when grown men, hairy-chested men, hug and kiss each other on the cheek. Come on. I've known Bruce for all of three minutes, and I'm like, bring it in, brother. You know. And I mean, Bruce is the guy, you know what I mean, like sweater of, of hair, like just his back it's incredible and uh i'm like come on bruce i don't mind bring it in but i'm telling you this when your son is lost out in the water you never say well at least i have three more you never say i wonder what's for lunch you never say at least i won't have to pay for the braces the only thing the heart of a father does when their son is lost is pursue that lost son. And I'm telling you, what happens to a church that looks around the world and realizes we're in the end times is they catch the heart of the father. And they say, we're going to be a church not just for us. We're going to be a church to influence as many people for Jesus as we can. How I many know that's why we exist as a church? And many people as we can. All right, here's the last thing. If until the end of time, I'm going to influence as my, but until the end of time, number two, I'm going to decide to follow God, not culture. Hey, we've been spending six or seven weeks in the book of Daniel issuing this challenge to our church. Catch it. The days of half-hearted, one-foot-in faith are over. We're in need of a people that are not chasing the kingdoms of this world, but people that are chasing the kingdoms of our God. So I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm, I'm going to just ask, I, I, I mean, I know it's a strong question, but let me just ask you a straight, strong question today. Are you ready for the return of Christ? 
Are you ready for the return of Christ? Uh, about two months ago, my wife had surgery and uh, we, we got, when she came home from surgery, we got her upstairs in the bedroom and she did not come downstairs for four days. And uh, so I was kind of in charge of the house with the four kids for four days. And, and on the fourth day, she said, I think I'm going to come downstairs. And I said, uh-oh. I said, I, don't, I, I, I wasn't thinking you were coming downstairs today. She said, no, I think I'm going to come downstairs. I said, I, I love you too much. We're going to bring your meals to you. Would you just give us one more day? I'm concerned about you. And she said, how bad is downstairs? I said, it's the worst thing you've ever seen. I knew this. I needed one more day to get ready for her coming downstairs. And I think some of us are living like, I don't know if he'll ever come. I, I know Jesus will return, but it's going to be a long time. I, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I'm telling you today. He could return today. And I'm asking you, are you ready for the return of Christ? Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. How many know you do not know on what day he will come? In fact, Jesus told us this, be dressed and ready for service. And keep your lamps burning <laughs> like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. This is a, you got to picture Jesus. He's, he's using the, the oil lanterns of the ancient world, which weren't battery. They were, the flame was sustained by the oil, the lantern being filled with enough oil. And here's his challenge to us. This is the question I want to ask you. How is your oil in your lantern? Like if he were to return today, would you say, man, I'm, I'm eagerly excited and waiting. I'm living in such a way, pastor, that I'm ready for the return of the Lord. No, no, no. Or would you say, no, I'm not certain. And I love this because it says when our master returns, it'll be a wedding banquet. I want you to know heaven is going to be good. Come on, somebody. Heaven is going to be good. I know some of us are like, no, heaven is, is like we're a fat baby floating on a cloud with a harp, you know, and we sing forever. How many know that would be hell, not heaven? In fact, the first thing that the Bible tells us is we're invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come on, somebody, where we'll dine with him for all of eternity. In heaven, there will be no more sickness or pain or cancer or traffic jams. Come on, somebody, or power bills or difficult. How many know we'll have eternal uh, connection to the God of the universe in the presence of God? The Bible says in Revelation, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow, no more loss or pain. Come on, the Krispy Kreme light will be on all the time. And it will have zero calories. Come on, somebody, you always make a birdie in heaven. I'm just telling you, you do. It'll be a place of eternal, eternal connection to God. And the question isn't, is he preparing a place? The question is, are we ready? Stories told about 40 years ago in Boston of a couple that was engaged. And they were... Uh, um, at the, about a week before the wedding, the groom backed out of the, of the wedding and the bride went to the hotel they were going to have the reception in in downtown Boston and she tried to cancel the reception and she was notified at that time that due to the contract, she, she still had to pay for 75% of the reception and she was so upset. 
She said, well, I can't do it. He won't come. And the guy said, I'm so sorry. This is the contract. And so she decided since she's going to pay for most of it, she'd keep the party, even though there was no wedding. And she ran an article in the Boston Globe that invited anyone who was down on their luck in downtown Boston to come to a free party, okay? She said there'd be plenty of chicken, which she said was in honor of the groom. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so that night in downtown Boston, homeless people filled a room and danced to big band music and ate chicken cordon bleu and chocolate fountain and all that, you know. <laughs> Boston Globe writes a story. It says the down and outs party at a banquet like you can't imagine you know I'm just telling you you know what heaven is it'll be a bunch of us who couldn't get there on our own partying in the presence of God for all of eternity that's what heaven is my question for you today isn't isn't about heaven my question is are you dressed and ready for heaven are your lamps burning is the oil ready are you living in light of eternity I mean, you see what's happening in the world. You see what's happening with wars. You see what's happening with chaos. You see what's happening with, with uh, currency, universal currency. There's so many signs of the times. And I'm just calling us today to be ready, for we know not when the hour will be. And I'm asking you today, are you ready if the Lord were to return tonight? Is there some text you'd send? Is there some things you'd do? Is some, are we living as if our Savior could return at, every, at any moment? Am I dressed? Is my lamp burning? Am I like a servant, ready and living and waiting for my master? Would you bow your heads with me all over this room and Mosley and Richmond and at the jail? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not certain of where I'm at in my own relationship with God, or maybe you've wandered away from him and you say, Pastor, today I don't even know if I'm ready. Uh, I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm just saying I believe Jesus is going to return. And I believe our name, if it's in that book of life, we spend eternity with him. And if you say, Pastor, I want my name in that book. I'm not sure it is, or I wandered away from my faith today. I need to get my life right with Jesus. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you today, I'm asking you to do it boldly. This is not time for half-heartedness. You say, Pastor, I need to get my life and heart right with Jesus. Would you just raise your hand up quick? Put it right back down. Yes, 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 yes. Are there others? You say, Pastor, yep, I see that in the back. Yep, I see it in the lobby. Anybody else? Yep, I see it right here. Anybody else? Pastor, Richmond, Mosley. Anybody else? Just, yep, I see it. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? One last time. Yes, young lady, I see that. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I don't know where I'm at. Yep. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. The good news is we get to heaven because of his great love for us. So if you're here today and you're not certain your heart's right with God, pray a prayer that goes something like this. Lord Jesus, I know you died on a cross and rose from the dead for my forgiveness. And so today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Would you save me today? Would you rescue me? Would you change me? Would you come into my life? God, would you erase all my sin? You said if I would confess my sin, you'd be faithful and just to forgive my sins. So today I give it to you, Jesus. Every mistake, every shortcoming, every broken place, would you forgive it? And would you come and live on the inside of me, God? Would you give me the hope of heaven? Would you make me yours today? And by your grace, I'll serve you all the days of my life. For I pray it in Jesus' name.
And everyone said, amen. Hey, a whole, whole, whole mess of people took that step. If you meant that in your heart, welcome to the family of God. Yeah. You got a worship guide. You can say, I made that decision. You can drop it off at Next Step. You can email us. We just want to help you grow in your faith. Well, I'm going to turn the services over to all the campuses now at this time. God bless you. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday.